0: Welcome to the Penny and Pops Podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. How does having the best record in the NBA sound, Magic fans? For the first time in franchise history, your Orlando Magic are 4-0. Never happened before. Shaq and Penny, Dwight Stan Van Gundy, just has never happened before that we've been 4-0, which it's kind of crazy in 32 plus years, but... So, why is this happening? Some of it is because of our strength of schedule. It's the easiest in the league, but we're going to talk players and just compare the magic with our East competition because there's definitely some improvements that have gone on that we definitely have to point out. Let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, so before we get into the actual uh, magic 4-0 stuff, uh, just a few things get out of the way. So we did learn some more details on Jonathan Isaac's contract. It's instead of four years, $80 million, it's really $70 million, and then like about $10 million in bonus opportunities pretty much, which is cheaper than OG Ananobi's $72 million deal that he got with the Toronto Raptors. Ananobi's doing good for my fantasy team, Probably isn't better than Isaac. No. Um, Be it now. Well, now I guess because Isaac literally can't play. But in the future, um, yeah, I I, I think I think again the Magic got a pretty good deal on that. So Isaac's really looking at about seventeen and a half million dollars per season, um, and then whatever bonuses come because he actually plays a decent amount of games are all gonna probably well worth it. Well worth it. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Markel Fultz's three-year, $50 million extension looks pretty good right about now. I don't know. Any objections to that, Benny? Not so far. All right. So, let's get to some of the COVID-19 stuff. Uh, the NBA, we're recording this Wednesday night. Um, you know, The NBA announced that there hasn't been a positive COVID-19 test since December 24th. So, today is the 30th. I'll take that as a good sign right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've had in the league... Some minor issues. The biggest issue, though, was the Houston OKC game that canceled, got canceled. Partly because of James Harden. <laughs> partly because four guys ended up trying to get a haircut from the same dude. And it got complicated after that. But overall, I'd say the NBA is doing better than MLB and the NFL was doing at this point during the start of their seasons. Any objections to that,
1: Benny? Uh, no, specifically, you know, if you remember... What the Florida Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals were basically it got to a point where they're you know they weren't sure if they would even get enough games in to basically make a run for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, my poor Phillies suffered from it, and even with the Marlins having to basically put up like their their uh, their minor league team, in, the Phillies still sucked. So, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't believe my Phillies didn't make the playoffs. But anyway, it's a basketball podcast, so. Uh, from a magic perspective, we haven't heard any negative COVID nineteen stuff. Like nothing about anybody getting held uh, held out. Maybe that's happening, and they're not telling us. That could be a thing. But uh, Terrence Ross conspiracy theories aside, his Instagram and his IG stories are actually pretty handy. He's been sharing how you know the magic basically get tested before entering the arena, at least here in Orlando, for practice and game days, and they chilling their cars in the parking garage basically for up to 45 minutes for those rapid test results to come in. So um, it is being taken seriously. They are taking some type of precautions. Let's get to the games because I do want to talk about opening night against the Heat, which, again, fuck off Miami, but yeah. we beat them. Um, there were a lot of Heat fans in the building in Amway Center. Feeling. Your your prediction might have been better than mine because, at least in the in the lower bowl section, there was a lot of Miami Heat Jerseys and shirts in there, paraphernalia. Yeah. But uh, the Amway Center attendance did surprise me a little bit because originally, you know, they were saying they were going to do max four thousand, but it would be kind of a gradual increase from say two thousand up to that. But for opening night against the Heat, it was the official attendance was three thousand three hundred ninety-six people, which was a lot more than I thought it was going to be. But I mean, like Amway Center, it holds for basketball game about eighteen thousand people. You can spread out. About four thousand people, just fine. It's everything else that you do. You know, people getting in. You know, what are thing You know, what are commonplace areas if any? What are similar things that people are touching all the time? Hopefully, nothing. But um, you know, I've seen some people kind of discuss their their observations and their experiences of actually attending Amway Center, and you know, it, it all sounds okay. So as long as we keep it no more than four thousand people, I think we'll be okay in that situation. But hey if we do get that positive test and it does come out that it came from a
1: magic game then that gets interesting from there but I, I will say too I was surprised that you know the seating is limited and obviously the economics are important that the magic are still giving away a pair of tickets to the Sixers home game via the magic radio network too. hey man we gotta get Jake Chapman more followers hey I, I like Jake man I'm, I'm glad he
0: you know he's been back for a little bit now since he was in Detroit for a while but um, yeah, it's kind of weird that you're basically gonna get your tickets to the Amway Center for tomorrow's Philadelphia 76ers game probably hours before you actually have to go because right. I think they're they not giving them out till tomorrow. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming you're in the upper bowl for those because if you're in those close seats, if you're in the lower bowl, um, you basically have to fill out like a lot of you know forms online and you have to go through this app and. They send you, I think, a test to your house, too. And I'm assuming, I guess you'd have to be a season season ticket holder for this, maybe. But they send you, like, tests to your house that you have to test yourself before you go to the game. Or you have to test yourself at the arena beforehand. And I don't know what that waiting protocol is. Um, But depending on where you sit and where you go and how you enter the building. Are you coming through the Geico Garage? Are you coming from, you know, Church Street? Um, There's a whole bunch of varying factors to what type of process you go through. But, anyway, let's focus on opening night. Because, again, we beat Miami, who currently do not look like the reigning Eastern Conference champions. But we beat them nonetheless. Uh, I will say that Greg Anthony looks good in a Magic jersey, as does his son. Yeah. Uh, Cole Anthony, who... That kid looks good. That kid is confident. We're going to go over the individual stats in a bit here for for some numbers that we like and some things to keep an eye on. But um, Cole Anthony definitely does not make me miss DJ Augustine, even in the least bit. I, I don't know. Maybe in the locker room capacity, possibly. But, I mean, this team's 4-0 right now. Cole Anthony's really, really confident kid. Very verbal on the court. Not not shy at all. Does not turn the ball over as a point guard. Any situation where you're missing Augustine right now?
1: No. Uh, well, we don't Maybe
0: three-point percentage right now, because Cole yeah. is, a, is a little cold. You know, we'll go over the percentages. But overall...
1: I think especially on a defensive and rebounding capacity, Cole is really good. Yeah, in terms of you know locker room presence and veteran savvy, we, we can't accurately speak to what may or may not be missing, but in terms of on the court production, the biggest thing that I've started to look for in the last oh, I don't know, 10 years of evaluating rookies um, is, is that you know timidness factor um, and confidence level, and certainly he's come. With an incredible amount of self confidence, and the one thing that's been surprising to me, and maybe that's just not being familiar with his game at Carolina, but what, I mean, incredible on the glass, right? I mean, rebounding for his position has far surpassed anything that I thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Cole, and again, the man's not scared. That's that's half the battle with being a rookie. I mean, even with Kiki, you know, there might there's some nervousness with Chuma, at least the first game or two, but. He's not scared either. If you're confident, if you're not scared, that's that's usually half the battle. Uh, but Cole Anthony, he's averaging, gosh, what's Cole Anthony averaging for, from on rebounds? He's averaging four point five rebounds per game from the point guard position, which is insane because that's like the third. No, that's the fourth highest rebounding average on the team. You got Vucevic averaging eleven and a half rebounds per game. Second is Aaron Gordon at six point eight, and then third is Michael Carter Williams at five. Fourth is Cole Anthony. I mean, that's more than Kem Birch. Kem Birch is averaging 16 minutes a game, and he's getting four boards a game. Yeah. So, you know, and again, it's early. That's the fun part about being, you know, about a week into the season is numbers. You take advantage of the small sample size. Yeah, basically. But uh, what I will say about the Miami game, and we're seeing it a little bit more in spurts this season, is Clifford is going with an actual 10-man rotation where there's a legitimate second unit. And as we've seen in some of these wins, the second unit has come up big. And that's that's a good thing when yeah. you can actually depend on an entire second unit. Because in situations where you're managing Aaron Gordon's minutes and Chumo Kiki's in a, in a, in a lighter note. I mean, Chumo's a backup. But, I mean, Aaron Gordon last season was the guy that usually would be staggered with the second unit. And he would play like his 32 plus minutes a night or whatever it was. Um, because he would he would have to be out there with the second unit and in Fournier in some capacity. But I like I, I I'm a I like being a traditionalist in some aspects, and I like having an actual pure second unit. And that second unit of uh, you know Cole Anthony, uh, Terrence
1: Ross, Michael Carter Williams, Chumo Kiki, and Kem Burch is working out really well so far in my mind. Yeah, and that's a testament, I think, not only to. Um, the rookies being ready to step on the court and contribute, but also to whatever Kem Birch did over the summer that has basically made him a transcendent backup center. He has one crazy made field goal a game,
0: be it like a, a, a very awkward looking jump shot that goes in, be it an and one, or just some type of finish at the rim, which automatically triggers some type of flex action afterwards. Kem's got it going, man, and I'm it's Look, Bamba is going to eventually get back up center minutes, but he's going to have to earn the shit out of it in practice because Kem is not willing to give up his minutes. He's in a contract year technically right now. He's 28 years old. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to stick around in the league. He probably will if he keeps playing like this, but this is a big, a big, big season for Kem to stick around. And so, you know, back to the Miami Heat game. Aaron Gordon was immense. I mean, I I don't want to go over specific stats because, I mean, you can look it up and and whatnot for for these games, you know, the Magic won 113-107, but Aaron Gordon was immense throughout the game, you know, in situations where either, you know, Miami was ahead by a little bit and we had to come back, he was big, and then as far as preventing Miami from coming back, he was big on both ends on the floor, um, Honestly, that Miami game might have been Aaron Gordon's best so far this season. He still got the hamstring issue because of Kyle Lowry's dirty foul that he suffered in the bubble from, um, you know, when we played the Raptors in the bubble back in late July, early August. Um, you know, one of the trends that we've been bucking the past couple games that was that almost killed us in the Heat game was missed free throws. Yeah. Especially Vooch. Vooch knows he's got to be way better at the line than he was in that Heat game. Um I didn't like for that game Terrence Ross closing the game. Now T Ross has shut me up since then cuz it's T Ross and he's the human torch and he's been flame on for a while but at least in the heat game I would have actually preferred Michael Carter Williams or even Cole Anthony actually finishing that game. Um you know for the most part Dwayne Bacon hasn't been finishing. It's been you know st- it's been Fultz, Fournier, Vooch are the three main guys and then some variation of either Ross. And then the fourth guy varies. Sometimes it's AG. Sometimes it's Chuma. Sometimes it's Michael Carter-Williams. I don't know. But um, it, what's been very apparent through these first four games, Markel Fultz is a closer. And that's the biggest difference for this team. When, I you mean, know, throw the second unit stuff aside. The second unit's been awesome. But Markel Fultz as an actual closer as opposed to Fournier or Aaron Gordon. That's a big deal. And that's why, and we'll go over the percentages in a bit, but that's why Fournier and AG both look more efficient out there sometimes on the court. And Fultz is just a beast. He's he's 6'4. He plays like he's seven foot bulldozing dudes. He plays like he's Giannis Adakumbo going at the rim sometimes. Man's not scared. He's finishing at a very elite rate at the rim. Yeah. He's, he's showing off that mid-range jumper again. That's pretty close to elite level. And you know, Fultz being a closer means that Fournier can play more of a, a third scoring option, basically, which is ideally what you want from him to begin with. And, I
1: mean, I'll talk about it right now, but, I mean, Evan Fournier, what do you think Evan Fournier's shooting percentage is from the field, Penny, four uh, games in? Well, he had a great game against Miami, uh, and then off the top of the head, I don't remember him really contributing that much over the next three, so I'll say 45%.
0: He's shooting 52.4% from the field. Hmm. His three point percentage is about where you want. He's at thirty eight point one percent through four games. But that's crazy, right? Fifty two point four percent for Evan Fournier, it's right. insane. Right. And I'll give you Aaron Gordon's right now. Despite AG shooting twenty percent from deep,
1: he's his field goal percentage is fifty four
0: point one percent.
1: And I think too, you know, at least to without looking at film repeatedly. Uh, the eye test for Aaron Gordon is that he's really doing yeoman's work on the offensive boards and, and getting a lot of putbacks, timely putbacks. It's
0: Sean Marion 2.0. That's what I want is, from
1: him. Right, which is kind of, you want him to play to his strengths, right? And his strengths are utilizing the otherworldly athleticism to put him in advantageous positions instead of trying to grind away one-on-one, which we don't need, especially when Markel Fultz is being as effective as he is to start this year. I mean, that's that's all I got for the Miami game.
0: I mean, it's Look, as wary as you have to be about having fans in the building, it was nice to have some fans in the building. And you know what? Even when it's Heat fans, that extra kind of controversial spark actually sparks your team, too, right. as well. That kind of varying energy. Um, I think at one point Jimmy Butler was getting, like, MVP chants, and then there was this fucking Let's Go Heat chant in there, which Magic fans and the Magic themselves quelled pretty quickly. But... Uh, I mean, most of all, I was very happy to just have Paul Porter calling a game yeah, uh, yeah. on the PA. I mean, what we're seeing around the league is that home court advantage isn't meaning much, but what I haven't seen anyone de- do yet is to dig down deep and look at what's the home, what's the win-loss records for the home teams that have actual fans, which is six or seven cities, right? the Magic being included. Um, Magic only played one home game, you know, the next one's tomorrow night against Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an NBA TV game, which scares the shit out of me. However, in recent years, we've actually played Philly really well, and we've also played Philly really well on NBA TV, including a couple wins. But this is a completely different Philly team. They got Doc Rivers. I, if Joel Embiid starts, that means Dwight Howard's coming off the bench. So that's a fascinating battle between Dwight and Kem. But yeah. um, I mean, you know, Seth Curry's like I said, he's. It's basically the Philly team from two years ago that had JJ Redick. That was really good. And now they're probably better now that they got rid of you know guys like Al Horford, um, and they seem to have some type of depth. So we'll see. I mean, Philly's gonna Philly's going going into that game three and one. Um, they kept Toronto winless, which I guess Tampa's not treating the Raptors too well. But um, we'll see about that. All right, you want to talk about the two Wizards games here?
1: Yep, let's get into them.
0: So the Magic won both games in D.C. I was pleasantly surprised that we did that because I was just assuming that if you know, even if we if we won the first one, the second one would be almost a schedule loss because right rest purposes and I mean look that first game that we beat the Wizards in we exerted a ton of energy. I mean we we beat Washington uh, Saturday night one thirty to one twenty. It was it was a heck of a scoring display for sure. Um, but you know the Magic playing it back to back in D.C. Saturday and Sunday, it's the first time that's happened where teams played a back-to-back in the same city, you know, in two nights, uh, since 1988, since January 1988, which is, you know, that, that I wasn't even born yet, right. but, um, you know, for, you know, coming out of that Sunday game, the Magic were 3-0 and for the fourth time ever. Um, you know, I made the tweet joke where, okay, well the magic are either going to be guaranteed the number one pick in the lottery, or they're going to be a playoff team. Cause <laughs> the only three times they did it was, you know, the, the 92 season, which landed them Shaq. And then, um, they did 09 2010, uh, which they made it to the Eastern conference finals where we lost to Boston. And I forget the other one now off the top of my head, but that was also a, a playoff team for the magic. But, um, you know, we, we we took advantage in that game of Davis Bertans being on both a minutes restriction, being out of shape because he didn't play any bubble stuff. I mean, he hadn't played basketball in nine months because right. of surgery, and he was he wasn't in the bubble even when the Wizards were tanking in the bubble or whatnot. But um, you know, and Bertans just looked rusty, and that honestly made the maybe made the difference in both games. Howell Neto, both off the bench and then starting in the second and yeah. in the second game. Um, of that wizard series for Westbrook who was rested. Neto went off. He,
1: he, he looked pretty good. I I gotta tell you too, you see the, the Neto signing come across the ticker at the tail end of free agency and you go, how in the hell is this guy still getting another contract in the NBA? I mean, his work, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Utah's the lion's share of his career. I believe so. Did not do a lot. And then maybe Philly and also didn't play. Uh, I was shocked at his level of, uh, I guess, professionalism and success rate. And whatever they did not get from Bertans, they certainly got from Neto in those two games. Yeah, and like
0: Thomas Bryant's out here shooting threes. And even Isak Bonga is already shooting threes, which is about two years earlier than I thought he'd be able to at this stage in his career. But, um, I mean, overall, you you look at the two games and, I mean, we, look, Bradley Bill was going to get his either way. Westbrook shot like shit in the first game that we played them. He said it in the postgame, and then thankfully, you know, Scotty Brooks kept them out of the back-to-back for rest purposes, which the Wizards are now 0-4, and Brooks might get fired if if they don't get it back on track in another week or two. So the Magic benefited from that. But Westbrook, uh, you know, he's the first player in NBA history to have three Triple doubles in his first three games and to be winless in all those games. So, yeah, I look. I like Westbrook. I just, I mean the Wizards are just they they don't have many weapons and like Bertans mm-hmm. is basically the third best player and he's not up to par. He's not ready right now and that's why they're that's a big reason why they're struggling. But uh, you know in that second DC well in the first DC game we got the Terrence Ross meme face mm-hmm. meme which I'm gonna be milking that for a while because if there's one thing Bradley Bill's good at. And it's not just scoring a shit ton of points against the Magic, it's complaining and bitching at the referees. Yeah. He said something that got D T Ross's face all over the internet. So um it's good that we're seeing lighthearted moments. Like on the plane ride from DC to O K C, you know, you had Fournier taking the selfie with Michael Carter Williams and like a sleeping Markel Foltz, even though none of them were wearing their masks appropriately, whatever. Um, you're all playing together. I it's fine. I'm not gonna be a stickler about it, but um, they're having fun. And when you're 4-0, you can have a little bit of fun. Um, with this, with the second Magic game in DC that we won, the Magic shot 37 of 38 on free throws. I think we got fouled on three point attempts, if not three times, maybe even four times. So that explained a little bit of that total, but, um, you know, the la- it, it's the, it's the most free throws we've ever made on such a high percentage in Magic history because either, you know, Dwight, <laughs> you know, Dwight would get the free throw attempts or and Shaq. Then, or Shaq and the, you know, they alone would easily miss four free throws a game in that instance. Yeah. So, you know, it was the it was the best uh, free throw percentage at such a highly made free throw rate that we'd ever had since, you know, ever, but the the, ne- the next best was when we went 37 of like 41 against the Timberwolves back in 2002. 2000, that a McGrady team. So, um yeah, it's, the Magic are getting it done in several ways. And again, I, I would keep an eye on the Wizards. If they suck, not only are they going to fire Brooks, but Bradley Beal might demand a trade out of there. Yeah. Would you want to trade for Bradley Beal? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So you're, you're watching those games. He's 27 years old, and you're watching him put up basically 40 with ease against uh, you. Ease, yeah. And part of it is the Magic are trying different defensive schemes. Part of it is the Magic... Who, in that second game, I mean, we're down 17 points in the second game, and we make this crazy comeback. A lot of it, most of it due in part to our second unit. But, I mean, the Magic had no legs. It was our first back-to-back since the bubble, uh, where we had that one brief back-to-back you know, back situation in those play-in games, or in those uh, you know regular season games, technically. Um, but, I mean, the Magic were gassed. They hadn't played up back-to-back in, in several months. And it showed. Some of it was effort, but it's just they—they they were just so fatigued. And the second unit just got it done. You know, coming back for 17 down. But with Bradley Beal, I mean that guy—he's—he's he's gonna want out of out of DC sooner rather than later if they're not even close to sniffing a play-in spot, which they're not right now. Again, they're—they're 0 they're 4. And something to keep an eye on with the Magic playing so well and with both Fournier and Aaron Gordon shooting at a good percentage, and I guess Terrence Ross is seeing what type of phone call offers you're getting from teams. But right. a lot in my mind is going to depend on Chumo Kiki, uh, how he's developing, because I can't imagine Washington's going to want to trade for uh, Fournier, who is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. But a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's 25, still has a couple of years on his contract... And then maybe, like, a young asset and a pick. That might interest them. Who knows? Uh, but I could see a situation where, you know, the Magic could put a Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, and, like, a pick or two, you know, uh, trade together to get to throw at Bradley Beal. And, look, when you're seeing Drew Holiday getting all those draft picks from Milwaukee to New Orleans, you're kind of like, okay, well, the Magic would probably have to throw, like, nine picks at them. But, uh, yeah, I think... I think there's a way to pry Bradley Beal away from from D.C. if you want him. Now, will D.C. want to do it? Maybe not, just because it's a division rival, let alone a conference rival, and then again they'd probably rather send them off out west and there's there's other young talented guys that they would probably rather prefer that are gettable than what the magic are offering but i'd be curious to see if we hear any noise on that and bradley beal as a partner next to markel fultz that's yeah that fits like a glove in my mind
1: if if you're getting if you're projecting the first four games of the season markel Fultz into the future is there a better and, and also the rest of the team too, the way it's currently constructed, is there a better person to slide into the two spot in the league? No. Outside of Bradley Beal?
0: No, I can't I can't think of because you know my opinion on James Harden. I'm not right. and he plays more of a point guard. So I mean Beal is an all-star. He's an all star. Is he a superstar? You know, whatever. That depends on your definition. But he's he's a hell of a shooter he's he can be a go-to option. I mean, you got a clutch guy like Foltz out there too that, you know, he can take some pressure off him too, but um you know, Beal's basically the guy that you throw your you, you put you push your chips in in that situation. You've been holding your chips, you've been making all these smart, you know, low risk, high reward moves or just low risk, you know, maybe you know, med reward moves, but you've got these assets, you've got all these picks. If you want to go get an, a superstar you're not going to be able to sign one in free agency, especially with our cap situation right now. You've got a situation where you've got an unhappy superstar, most likely in Bradley Beal in DC, that you can get. He's a Florida Gator. Maybe he'd like to be an Orlando Magic player. We
1: don't know, but it's something to look into as the season progresses. And it's going to be interesting as long mm-hmm. as the Magic are are performing so so well, right? The flexibility goes away a little bit once Evan Fournier is no longer on an expiring contract. I mean, that's a just purely from a financial perspective in terms of making any kind of trade match for any type of player that would move the needle moving forward. You, we're on the clock, right? But yeah. also, do you make that move if, if the Magic somehow keep winning, and let's say they're a top four team in the East? Well, that's the thing, and I guess one of the good things with the
0: trade deadline being, like, March 22nd after, you know, pretty, you know, it's like another two weeks after the All-Star break basically. So you'll be about 45 games into the into the season out of 72, so you can really figure out at that point, alright, do we just hold on to Fournier and see what happens in the playoffs, or... You know, assuming the Magic are playing well, odds are Fournier's playing well. And can you cash out and actually get what you want? Now, we don't know what weld Hem want. It, they don't value, you know, outside of the lottery type first round picks. So is there a young talent or two out there that they can snag for an expiring to maybe a championship competing team? Possibly, because look, I'm looking at Fournier's numbers. He's in about... In just under 30 minutes per game, Fournier is averaging 17.8 points per game. That's the fourth best scoring average on the team, uh, you know, behind Ross, Vooch, and Fultz, which, well, again, yeah, we'll talk more about in a bit. But again, we we already went through the percentages where Fournier he's shooting his typical 38% from deep. He's shooting 52.4% from field goal range, which is out, absolutely outstanding by by all counts in, his, in in that aspect for him. So it's very early. We're gonna have this talk in like late January to see where the Magic are and where and where Fournier is because the schedule right now is pretty easy. And I'm gonna talk about it right now since we're on it. But with the schedule, like the Magic are four and right now. If we beat Philly, it's a perfect five and and0 month for the month of December. I had us going 3-2 and two this month. I had us losing one of those DC games, yeah. and I have us losing tomorrow to Philly just for the for the sake of us being on NBA TV and how we typically don't do well on national TV, even though we play Philly pretty well. But you know, if we win that Philly game, you get a couple really, what should be very winnable games going into the new year. You get three straight home games. You get OKC, Cleveland, and Cleveland again with a day of rest in between all of those. The Magic theoretically could be, you know, a no going into their next road trip. Yeah. Um, if they're they, they should be a minimum seven and one. They should be seven and one with where they're at right now. They kicked ass against Milwaukee against Miami. They got the job done against a DC team that doesn't know what the hell they are and an OKC team that's just not good. Even though they got a bunch of feisty young youngsters, um, which we'll talk about real quick the OKC game since that was the most recent one last night, but. Then it gets hairy in January. You go, you go with a du- Texas double-double at Houston and at Dallas. Again, back-to-back, no rest. If you can win that Houston game, I don't care about the Dallas game at all. Dallas may or may not have Porzingis back by then. We'll see. Luca's Luca. We may see a Wessowandu revenge game. Who knows? <laughs> um, but then you have just a hellish second week, pretty yeah. much. You have January 11th, you have Milwaukee. And then you're on the road. You're at Boston twice, two back, two games against Boston in three nights. You're at Brooklyn. Oh wow, this is even uglier. So you have the 11th, you have uh, you have Milwaukee at home. Then on the 13th, you're at Boston. You're still at Boston on the 15th, and then the second night of a back-to-back, you're at Brooklyn on the 16th. And then you're still on a, a road on the road trip still, where you're at Minnesota on the 20th and add Indiana against Sabonis and Old Depot on the 22nd before you then come back with a back-to-back home stretch against Charlotte. Clifford wasn't joking when he said, we may not be able to actually have a full practice until February 3rd because that's the only time where they have more than one actual rest day is until February 3rd. So, continuity's paid off early on. Will it continue to pay off as teams kind of study up more on on what the Magic been doing well, as they can actually practice and get some of that continuity themselves going, some of that familiarity? We're going to find out. But this schedule is has been pretty easy out of the gate. I mean, the strength of schedule is the easiest in the league, and the Magic have taken advantage of that. That's okay. Keep taking advantage of that, and then we'll see where you're at, you know, come the middle of January. But you should be 7-1 and or even 8-0 and going into that Houston game January 8th, and then...
1: We'll see from there. I don't know if we necessarily had tremendously high hopes for this team for this season. I didn't.
0: I, I really did. I said, look, well, some people would say finishing 7th or 8th yeah. you know, is high hopes, but I had us losing the play-in games because I thought injuries would come in and that'd be a cruel way to get knocked out, which may still play
1: out. But, but I just don't think, and you know, we could be jumping on the bandwagon here at 4-0, but I just don't think that during this extended rebuild period that we would have a team in previous years that would take advantage of the soft schedule. That's the mark of a good team, right? Is beating the teams that you're supposed to beat and taking advantage of the soft spots in the schedule. So, and all these teams are resting guys. they all these teams are resting. Like I haven't looked at the
0: other, at the other situation, but you yourself said in the last pod, how the magic have, at least for these first 37 games, Basically, the, the best schedule in the league when it comes to
1: teams ha- being in rest disadvantage. Yeah, rest yeah. disadvantage. So,
0: yeah. I mean, we've already seen, you know, Boston, who knows what the hell's going on with Kyrie Irving. I right. don't know. But Brooklyn, they've already rested both Durant and and uh, Kyrie Irving in a game. Um, you know, uh, Minnesota, they don't have Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we're seeing a lot of injuries kicking in now. You know, John right. Morant's out for a few weeks for Memphis. Memphis is screwed. They might not make the play-in now just because he's going to be out for about a month. Kevin Love also out for that pair of Cleveland games coming up. And Cleveland, look, they just finally got their last loss, or their first loss last night, so they're 3-1 and as well right now. But Cleveland, as fun as the Sexland guard combo is, you know, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland is, um, and then you got a feisty Andre Drummond who seems to care at the moment. Uh, early on this season just like he did early last season with Detroit but um, you know all these teams are feisty all these teams are going to be playing but this is where we're going to start getting the grind of COVID-19 popping up who's who's sitting out because of that rest because teams have to create their own rest days Um, they're not coming in front of you again the Magic don't have an actual rest day for like a full month now coming ahead like an actual practice day anyway. They have the day off today, but they're not practicing today. Um they're barely getting in shoot you know. We'll talk about the OKC game now, but thankfully Al Horford and George Hill sat out for for the game last night. Yeah. But the Magic didn't have a shoot around before that game because, you know, they're they're trying to keep these guys fresh. But it showed, you know, the Magic, they had more legs, but they weren't hitting shots that well. And then just a lot of defensive, you know, lapses and I mean look, we we pulled out the game 118-107, but you know, defensively there's a lot to be des- you know, left to be desired when you got guys like Pokashevsky who finally got his first NBA points in the game. You got Isaiah Roby, I think I got his first name right, but Roby who got his first NBA start in his fourth NBA game ever. Hell of a
1: game from him.
0: Pretty good game. He had eighteen points. Um, you know, Vooch thankfully got the better of him. Although my argument would be Vooch should've had forty points in the game. He should have had way more touches than he did, but You know, OKC was on the second night of a back-to-back after just a heartbreaking close, close loss to Utah in which Lou Dort just went off against Utah. And he was trying to get it going against the Magic, and thankfully he just didn't have the legs. Like, he was trying, and he just didn't have it in him. Thank God. So, you know, we'll see Saturday, because after we play Philly, OKC comes back to town Saturday, and we'll see what their leg situation will be. But uh, Vuce owns another Magic franchise record. Uh, He owns the most field goals in history uh, in in team history. He surpassed Nick Anderson for first place. And again, I already said Vooch had 28 points on the night. He's got three double-doubles in his first four games. Typical Vooch stuff. And it's kind of interesting. That Milwaukee series did him so good. Because so many fans have, have, if not softened on their harsh opinions on him, completely done like a 180 as far as how good he is, what he means to this team, and... You know, we'll see. He's, he's off to. A, he's actually. He's not off to even a great start. It's actually just an okay start, as we'll You know, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you, Vooch's numbers right now. But I mean, Vooch's average is only shooting forty eight point four percent from the field. Now he's shooting forty five percent from three on five attempts a game. It's not eight to nine attempts a game like the coaching staff might want, but. Five attempts per game and you're shooting
1: 45% from three, that's fucking good for a center. Yeah, but the biggest thing, too, even if he's not up to eight to nine attempts a game, and I, it hasn't quite manifested itself yet, but you can see the subtle shift. There's absolutely no hesitation in him pulling the trigger oh, no. on On the arc now. He's pulling quick. Now, now, in years past, he's been shooting in the 30s, and they've been wanting him to take the shots, but make no mistake, this year it's become uh almost a focal point of the offense is to get him on the perimeter and to space the floor even more and he has zero hesitation which i think not only opens the door for him to you know pump and go and throw it down on retired pal gasol like he did in chicago but but just that mindset i think will lead to higher points per game averages and more effectiveness overall he's a more confident guy and he likes to play Embiid pretty well, so I'm actually
0: really curious to see how he plays him tomorrow night, but he's averaging just under 32 minutes per game. It's actually the most minutes per game on the team. Fultz averages the second most at just over 30. Those are the only two guys averaging 30 minutes per night, but Vooch is averaging exactly 20 points per game and 11.5 boards per game, which the boards are pretty on par, and Look, the points per game. I, I look. I when we did the juicer lose it thing, I said that he'd average over twenty at one and a half points per game. It's in play, especially if he if he starts finding his shot a little bit better. Because in a couple of these early games, he was he was hitting a slump a little bit here and there, especially in the paint. Um, his assists they could be a little bit higher even for him. He's at three point eight assists per game. I think he can average close to five, but some of that's you know some missed shots here and there, but. Um, He's not, he's, you know, he's taking, he's at a two and a half assist to turnover ratio, which that's more than fine from from his position. Yeah. And, you know, I already said Vooch is racking up more, you know, franchise records here and there. If you look at basketball reference, they have him ranked as like the sixth best magic player of all time. He's top 10. He's not top five, but he's somewhere in that six to 10 range. If you want to put him six, I actually probably wouldn't put him six. I, I couldn't tell you off, offhand who I would put six um but he's he's probably like seventh or eighth as far as just stats and just output but the problem is is he hasn't been able to do it much in the playoffs that milwaukee series changes a lot of things like if you really dig like did like a deep dive vooch's first because this is year nine now i think for him or actually year 10 um here oh year nine with the magic but his first i mean his his tenure with the Magic looks a lot like Paul Gasol's did with the Grizzlies, his first seven years in the league, honestly. Like, a lot of stats, didn't, almost no playoff success, and he wasn't really appreciated till he went to the Lakers and was Kobe's sidekick because those Laker teams would not have been good without Paul Gasol. No. Now, my hope is that, because I like Vooch, and I, Vooch is technically still the best player on the Magic team, my hope is that we don't trade Vooch and that we can actually build that type of success here in Orlando it's not it's I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen this season, but some prog some very nice progress would be really nice, and hey, when you're off to a four and
1: start for the first time in team history, that's not bad so um i'm I'm I mean, buying it I'm buying it now because if if you think about another incremental improvement for Markel faults, the only thing that we're missing is really a very consistent shooting guard. Whatever you're going to... Bradley Beal, come on down. Whatever you're going to say about Evan Fournier, but you plug Jonathan Isaac back in. Because... I mean...
0: I mean, we can talk about it now. I mean, right, right now, out of our pool of players, I'll tell you my ideal starting five. My ideal starting five is some, is Vooch, some variation of Chumo Kiki and Jonathan Isaac in the front court, um, and then a star wing scorer and Markel Fultz. That's yeah. my... because. I I mean, I I, I would like Aaron Gordon to figure it out. And, again, he's shooting efficiently here out of the gate, despite being on, like, a a bad hamstring. So maybe he'll be the guy that's like, Chuma, you stay back there for a bit. But Okiki, even though he's not scoring that much, I mean, look, he's playing 18.5 minutes per game. He's only at 2.3 points per game. But, you know, he's averaging a couple assists a night, uh, 1.8 assists a night, 3 rebounds per game. He's moving the ball around. He's defending really well. He's there's a lot of video. And Josh Robbins at the Athletics done a good job pointing this out. That Chuma is making that extra pass that Aaron Gordon wouldn't make, and and Chuma's passing up good shots for even better shots that we're making, and stuff like that make stuff like that is why Okiki getting some minutes for you know Ag, you know not just in the second unit but just even late in games sometimes either because you're keeping Ag on a minute restriction or because of foul trouble. Chuma's holding his own. He's doing okay. He's figuring it out pretty quickly without a summer league or like a legitimately long training camp or preseason. But, you know, Kiki, what's his shooting percentage? He's shooting 30% from the field. He hasn't made a, an NBA three-pointer yet, but that's the thing. He's still contributing really well without even finding a shot yet. But that's my ideal five. I don't know what your plan was, but I I mean, I I think if you I think basically the cornerstones of Vooch isaac uh marco and a star wing get you really far in not just the eastern conference but it gets you really far
1: yeah and i think you know in terms of vucevic the the ideals for him not to be the the number one guy if right. someone can emerge and and move him into that co-star role as you mentioned i think Paul Gasol's a very apt uh look at you pulling out the Comparisons and the hey, the man idolized of- both Gasol brothers, and
0: it just I don't know, yeah. it came back. I mean, but I mean, his career really looks a lot more like Powell's than even Marcus Saul's. Marcus Saul took a while to get going, and his prime isn't as long as Vooch's prime is
1: even now, right now. So, but sorry, I, I cut off your point. I, I well, I think just let, let's let reel it in a little bit and come back to this year. I think Philadelphia is going to be a litmus test. The Magic, uh, first time in franchise history, 4 0. Currently number one in the Eastern Conference in the NBA and number one overall in the NBA four zero. They get a travel day to read some you know tweets. They get a, a half a rest day to recover from the road trip, and now they face an actual NBA opponent on Thursday night. And uh, I think even though it's early in the season, it'll it'll speak to where the team is at mentally, um, and also where they're at in terms of talent level and cohesion against. Uh, what will be a you know a really talented and well-coached Philadelphia team.
0: Yeah, and
1: look, Fultz may be, may, may be the guy that takes over constantly throughout the year as a closer
0: because it's worked out pretty well. I mean, he was a couple days ago leading the league in fourth quarter points and clutch points, which and, and, is
1: insane. And, and then to your point, I think, you know... Uh, I don't remember who posted the tweet. It might've been Bobby Marks, but uh, the true shooting percentage for the magic um, in clutch situations has been ridiculously high, but the, the shots that we're getting are are shots in the paint. Yeah. And instead of settling for a manufactured Evan Fournier jump shot, we're getting a Markel Fultz layup. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anything over the course of the first four games is something that's not necessarily sustainable over the course of a season.
0: No. And look, Almost it's all It's not guys like in... we're
1: shooting 70% from the no, field.
0: No, I mean, we'll go over the team stats now here. I mean, I have two more points just real quick. I mean, Dwayne Bacon showed up. He had 18 points in the OKC game. And then all of a sudden, you know, and he had been struggling shooting-wise the first three games. But, you know, you look at Markel Fultz. He had his career six-double-double. He, had, You know, Fultz had a bad shooting night, but there he is with like four or five minutes ago hitting a big-time three-pointer in the game. And, look. We're four and zero, and a lot of it's because Foltz is closing, and I'm quite quite happy about that. But all right, let's get into some of the team stats because one of the cool things about having you know not just Foltz running the show, but then Cole Anthony running the show with the second unit is our pace is high. We're sixth in the league in pace, and again, it's very early, but you know the other thing is we're getting to the free throw line and we're defending against free throws really well. So I don't look at four-factor stuff, almost never, and I don't want to get too fancy with the analytics stuff, but we're fourth best as far as getting to the line when you look at free throws for every field goal attempt percentage. And then defensively, we're number one in the league
1: where we just do not give up a lot of free throws, period, when it comes to uh, free throws per field goal attempt. And that's two things historically number one in terms of not fouling that steve clifford is known for as a coach and also historically in terms of getting to the foul line something that the magic really haven't had since well one dwight intentionally being fouled but prior to that basically tracy mcgrady there just hasn't been somebody that forces enough contact to get to the line with any sort of regularity and you can tell specifically in the the second wizards game i guess that you know Those easy points add up and can make the difference between a, a win or a loss. You mentioned kind of field goal percentage
0: where we're not quite shooting the lights out. I mean, we're 7th in the league coming into tonight with field goal percentage, so it's, it's probably better than what we typically do under a Clifford team. Uh, but when you look at three-pointers, though, this is the key, the three-pointer stuff. We are 28th in the league in three-pointers made per game. We're dead last in the league in three-point attempts. We're 19th in the league in three-point percentage, you know, shooting. We're at 34.9% from deep. So, we're not living by, you know, we're not living by the three. What we are living on is the paint and mid-range jump shots. We're first in the league in two-point attempts per game. We're second in the league in two-point makes. And we're only 11th, honestly, at two-point percentage made. So, but we're killing it going into going into the paint, going to the rim all the time. And when you got guys like Cole Anthony and Markel Foltz that have reliable mid-range jump shots for the most part,
1: it's working out pretty well. I don't know if you got any any thoughts on, on that. And from the eye test too, I think, you know, another player doing a lot of I guess unexpected damage from the mid-range is Terrence Ross so far this year, and maybe that percentage isn't necessarily sustainable. But he doesn't have to live at 15 feet if he ups the number of three-point attempts, too. That kind of balances out moving forward as well.
0: Yeah, I I criticized him in preseason because he was taking way too many kind of pump fake and then dribble, pull-up jumpers, and he was missing a lot in preseason. But he's been doing all right in that regard. T. Ross, he's our our leading scorer scorer until technically at the moment. He's at 21 points per game on 28 minutes a night. He's... Look, he's not going to rebound much. He's not going to, you know, get any assists, really. He averages under assist per game. But he's at 1.3 assists per game. Let me tell you who's got more assists, uh, more uh, steals per game, sorry. T. Ross, 1.3 steals per game. But is at 1.5. Fournier is at 1.8 steals per game, which any Fournier shit-talking, panel. any Fournier shit-talking that exists, we kind of got to slow that down a little bit, at least defensively. He's still going to get obliterated by Bradley Beal one-on-one. I get that. But team defense-wise, it's almost like two years ago rather than last year. And we'll see if he can maintain that pace. But that was something Evan admitted during the offseason that he wanted to work on. Aaron Gordon, even with his minutes capped at about 24 per game, he's at 1.3 steals per game as well. And so Ross is showing some activeness defensively. Shooting-wise, again, T. Ross... He's at 52% from the field total, which that's the mid-range stuff coming in. He's getting a few dunks here and there. Um, Three-point shooting is the big thing, though. He's he's at 43.5%. And if he, if he can keep shooting over 40% on, I mean, he's at 5.8 attempts per game from deep. If he's getting over five attempts per game from deep and shooting over 40%, he's minimum going to be a top 3-6 man of the year contender.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, you don't necessarily expect him to keep his percentage up above 40, but there's no reason he can't be at 38, 39. And also the quality of looks so far this season, I think that speaks to Cole Anthony a lot um, and also the second unit as a whole, but especially compared to last year where, second unit defense is really keying on Terrence Ross and also I guess by virtue of the success that he had mm-hmm. the year prior where he was really forcing a lot of contested looks all the time the quality of shots are much better so far this year
0: yeah I mean I already said Cole Anthony's not shooting it well from deep even but he's he's creating he and there's just just the threat of his three-point shooting is actually helping T Ross I mean Cole Anthony's at only 22.2% from deep. Um, he's shooting 36.7% from the field. So again, the mid range jumper, he's, he's getting some good looks at the rim. And I mean, he's, he's taking a lot of contact on a lot of his drives to the hole. So that's, that's going to only improve. Um, Dwayne Bacon technically is our best three point shooter at 50%, but he's only attempted four threes this season so far. Uh, probably all of his mates came in that OKC game. I, I could be wrong. Um, I mean, I, Fultz is at 30% from three-point range. I'll take that as progress. If he keep ticking up towards 35% from three, Fultz has something going right
1: there. As long as he continues to be a willing shooter, it really doesn't matter. Two and a half matter. attempts per game. The the percentage doesn't matter all that much as long as the, the confidence is still there to pull it. And you look at, you know, you're trying to figure out if the 4-0 no start is a flash in the pan or if it's something that's for real. There There just aren't a lot of players right now that are significantly overperforming their career averages and whatever drop off again that you're going to see from Terrence Ross or Dwayne Bacon with more volume uh, I think there will certainly be an uptick for Cole Anthony and Chuma Okiki and you pray that Michael Carter Williams ends up with a shooting percentage that's double digits at least
0: yeah look there's only two things that I don't expect us to sustain now two things that I do expect us to keep going are we're third in the league in steals per game we have active hands. That's not going away. That's only going to increase when Isaac comes back next year, probably. Um, and then turnovers. We're fourth in the league in in turnovers. We protect the rock. We don't we don't give it away. Clifford teams just don't do that often. Now the two spots where things aren't sustainable it's scoring and free throws. You know, we're scoring wise. We we came into tonight third in the league in points per game at about 120.3. Um, you know, from a free throw perspective, that's where that's going to inevitably drop because we've been typically bottom of the league in free throws. But I mean, and again, we got Fultz and Cole Anthony that are getting to the rim at a pretty decent clip. Um, Cole Anthony's averaging two and a half free throws per game. Fultz is at three point eight free throws per game. Uh, but the Magic entered tonight with you know third in the league in free throw uh, free throws made at twenty three a night and then fourth in the league in free throw attempts uh, at 28.3. Those are going to drop, but I don't. I could see us hanging around middle of the pack this season, which is a huge jump for this team in my mind. Um, I don't know, any disagreements with the thoughts on either points and, and free throws? There's no way we're averaging 120 points per game this
1: season. Uh, probably not, but also I think that as the season progresses and the confidence level continues to grow, in addition to that, there's also going to be some sort of additional respect around the league too right I mean you you garner a reputation for yourself and yeah. the more that folds attacks the rim and bounces off people eventually he's gonna start getting more calls and eventually the you know I, I think Clifford expects the team to be uh one that really attacks the paint um you know paint touches are so important and getting a foot in the paint on every possession. um, That's certainly a point of emphasis for the team in terms of offensive philosophy. Um, And while we may not be top five or top 10, as you said, middle of the pack is uh, almost something to be celebrated for this team.
0: So I already said Fultz is shooting 3.8 free throws attempts per game, which those are only going to go up. I think um, as the season progresses um, in my mind, There's three other Magic players that average more than Fultz uh, per game so far this season. Who do you think is averaging the most free throw attempts so far for us this season, Benny? Uh,
1: Evan Fourniak.
0: Yes, you're correct. Now, some of that is because of the technical fouls. He's our technical foul taker, but he's at five and a half per game, which is quite great. Uh, Second and third, it's actually both T. Ross, who... He's getting fouled on three point he gets attempts. three at a time, yeah, uh, per game. If not two, in some of the Wizards games, I think too. Uh, he's at four point three. Also, at four point three is Nikola Vucevic. That man has been fouled <laughs> so many times without getting a whistle in his career. I'm glad he's getting at least some free throw looks. But um, I mean, that's that's all I got from breaking down the stats. I mean, we're four zero. We can we can even go more advanced if we wanted to, but I don't want to do that. It's so early. If you know, if we can get to seven and one or eight and zero, we're we're in good shape for what's going to be a rough middle of January, I think. And then from there, it's all about navigating the rest of the standings. Because I, I do want to talk about just real quick just how the rest of the East is panning out. Because look, I already mentioned how the Wizards could be panicking immediately because they're zero and four. Detroit. Who we don't know what the hell Troy Weaver was doing with some of the signings. Detroit's unlucky to be 0 and 4. They could arguably be 2 and 2. Um, Blake Griffin's already been missing time with you know concussion protocol stuff as well, and I think he got rested a game. But um, the Raptors are 0 and 3, and they are terrible without Kyle Lowry. The net rating without with Kyle Lowry on and then with him off the court, it's it's staggering. It's like it's I think it's like minus sixty when he's off the floor in just three games with them. So, um, but looking at the top of the standings, the Magic are four and zero. The only other NBA team in the league coming into the night anyway was is, is Atlanta at three and zero. They're playing Brooklyn right now um, as we're as we speak. But then you got the Pacers at three and one, Sabonis and Oladipo. But looking at I mean you look at. A couple other teams like Milwaukee's two and two. They went from getting their ass kicked by the Knicks to throttling the Miami Heat by fifty plus points, and just breaking the just breaking the three point record for most threes made in an NBA game. But Milwaukee's two and two. They're f- trying to figure it out. Um, they could be worse with how their bench is now. You know they didn't get Bogdan Bogdanovich, so they got Drew Holiday. But it's like how good your bench when you're relying on. Augustine, uh, DiVincenzo, um Bobby Portis. Yeah, uh, you know we'll we'll see how that works out. But then you got both the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets, a one and two. Charlotte's not looking good at all right now. Um, despite like Terry Rozier getting a ton of points here and there, but Miami. And in that first game, I was so glad that we were able to keep both Hero and um, and Robinson in check. But and then seeing Markel Fultz... I mean, Jimmy Butler. I lost track how many times we sent Jimmy Butler on his ass in that game. He fell like five times in his game. And I love Jimmy Butler, but as long as you play for the Heat, I don't care for you, man. Um, Mo Harkless did us a favor by not playing his best game in that opening night. But, I mean, Miami's 1-2. and two. They don't have the bubble working for them. My point is, is, the supposed teams that people thought were going to be playoff teams... That may not be the case. The Wizards are at the bottom. Some of them had them as a top eight seed. The Raptors are are 0-3. It's very early. They might turn it around, but they don't have Marcus or Serge Ibaka at center. They're depending on Aaron Baines and Alex Len. And Aaron Baines ain't getting much younger. He's had a lot of mileage in his career. You know, they're now two years removed from Kawhi Leonard again I already said they're garbage without Kyle Lowry. Like Fred VanVleet's actually got to earn his money. We'll we'll see about that. And I guess technically OG Ananobi, who I don't know he's actually been all right for them, but um you know, there's there's so much up in the air. Miami's struggling, My, Milwaukee's off to a slow start. Boston I think might be realizing that they should probably cha- trade for James Harden or <laughs> else Philly will um there's a lot up in the air. You know, Brooklyn they're two and two. Brooklyn's really freaking good. They might be the best team in the East, but they rest, you know, so much that... And now they lost Spencer Dinwiddie for the whole year, which is a huge loss for them, that it's all up in the air. I'm not saying the Magic are going to be a top-six team, but you know what? I think six seed's up for grabs, especially if you get to 7-1, and 8-0. and oh, The math starts working slowly in your favor a little bit. Now, again, there's going to be some brutal stretches in, in the middle of January and then February a little bit, but... When you got a winning record, when you got some of that confidence, when your team is clearly better because this Magic team is clearly better than they were, you know, in the bubble without Isaac. Augustine left, a who I love left, and then my, Melvin Fraser departed and we get bring in Chumo Kiki, Cole Anthony and Dwayne Bacon. That's a plus. We're better right now. There's not really any denying that. Yeah. So, I don't know if you got any final thoughts about you know, I'm not saying you know. Do you think the Magic can finish six or better? But um, I, I, there's a lot of randomness up there. And look, again, I don't expect the Magic to shoot You know, to average 120 points per game. Uh, I mean, they're holding in the East. The Magic's defense has a lot they got to get better on, and that's one of the things that after the OKC game, Vucevic mentioned it. Clifford's obviously mentioned it, but a couple of the other players in the post game have mentioned it. We're not playing that great, and we're four and zero. Like we're scoring a lot, but our defense has has a lot of catching up to do, and we're not shooting ridiculous percentages. We're not. So, I just think
1: that maybe we should be more optimistic. I yeah, it doesn't make for a great show when we uh, feel the same same way. But uh, I just look, say the shit, Penny. Just look, say there's shit. I I'm not two feet in, but I am very cautiously optimistic that. Look, it's early. It's a weird year, but we're 4-0. And you, right. keep, you keep banking some wins. You keep your head down, you bank some wins, and you see where you're at in, uh, in a month or so. I mean, you, you, the schedule's going to turn. The schedule looks rough, but we don't know who's
0: resting who. We don't know who's going to be out with COVID-19. All this shit's up in the air. All you can do is win the games in front of you. And guess what? If you're hovering around the top of the standings... You have a very good chance of staying up there. You,
1: you bank these wins. You're in a real good position, regardless of kind of the you know the peaks and valleys that that are coming up uh, in the near future here on the calendar. All right. You got any final thoughts going into tomorrow? Again, NBA TV game, Philly. I wonder if Greg Anthony's going to get like some studio work, or if he's going to be in the cr- in the crowd for his. Son, I but. can I just say, I if we win tomorrow night at five and zero, and only in the first truncated month of the season, but. You win that one. I think you put the fucking league on notice, don't you think? I would hope so because I mean I've been listening to some of these national
0: guys, and they're still poo-pooing the Magic. And look again, strength of schedule. Magic have the easiest schedule in the league, but you beat Philly. That changes. I we wouldn't. I don't think we would have the easiest schedule in the league at that point. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's I, if there's one thing is if the Magic just care about themselves, if they don't worry about you know who's allotting them and stuff, stay focused. Stay healthy, stay in your hotel rooms, (laughs) don't bring hookers to your bedrooms and stuff, just focus, and you'll be in a pretty good spot going ahead. It's been fun so far. This is the most fun, I mean, this is the most optimistic I've felt in a while, honestly. It might have been, it might have actually been the most excited I've been for Magic Team since Jacques Vaughn's first season, when... We were doing okay. We were hovering around 500 and then oka Okafor, ruined Big Baby. That we were like 6 and 7 in a playoff team. And then that's when, you know, Reddick got traded and Jameer got, you know, we got rid of Jameer. and so this is the most optimistic I've been in a while, honestly, this early in a season. You know, something, you know, obviously when we made the playoffs finally a couple of years ago, we went on that hell of a run where we were 42 and 40. We were super excited about Isaac in the bubble when he came back. You know, the opportunity was there if we had both AG and Michael Carter-Williams and Bamba healthy, all those guys healthy, for to maybe even upset Milwaukee. Um, you know, there was optimism there. But for this early in the season, I've not been this optimistic since 2012. And, yeah, that's that's all I got. So, we appreciate listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, go magic, take care, and just win. Happy New Year. Get out the way, get out the way.